Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. You may have recognized that I am not Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I'm Matt's older brother, and I'll be asking him the questions. And of course, I wouldn't be asking the questions if Matt wasn't here, so Matt's going to say hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about our last episode briefly, and then Matt's newest episode. But before we get into that, I just want to remind people there are ways you can support the podcast. You can, of course, use your ears and keep listening or use your eyes on YouTube and keep watching. You can also like, you can subscribe, you can tell people about it, you can tell people that you like it. If you don't like it, I'm not sure why you're still <laughs> listening to the sound of my voice. Yeah. But you can also go to stilltbd.fm. There's a link on that page. There's a cookie jar there. And you can throw some coins in that cookie jar. We appreciate whatever kind of support you're able to give, even if it's just listening. So our last episode, Matt, was the massless battery controversy. Yes. We talked a bit about the definitions of massless versus structural batteries. We talked about um, its impact on the EV industry. There were some people in the comments who claimed that you were guilty of creating clickbait, which... <laughs> Of course. <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> I'm not quite sure how using a term that's used within the industry equates yeah. to clickbait, but I, I didn't make up the term. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like you said the battery that will change everything or the battery that you don't even know you need or the best battery ever, exclamation marks. Yeah. But I, I actually I actually talked about what the title was about. Right. So that's not clickbait. But yeah, some but people anyway. think it is. Yeah. So among the conversations that were in the comments after that episode, uh, I had asked the question about car ownership and and you know what would the long term impacts be for people who think car ownership is a critical component of how this should all work, as opposed to cars that are possibly not owned by you, but also possibly um, self driving vehicle fleets and the the future that we may be headed toward, especially in, in some of the larger urban areas. And Kevin Busker responded, car ownership is a big thing for me. One of the large factors that I think about for alternative energy like home, solar, and batteries is the energy independence. Adding an EV to that is a natural step in that independence, at least for me. Convincing my wife of the upfront cost, that's a whole other issue. So yeah. there's a vote for continued individual home ownership or a car ownership yep. as opposed to what I was suggesting might be happening. And then there's also this from Todd Turnbaugh who write, who writes, <laughs> let me just drop letters. Somebody, somebody here is an author. Yeah. <laughs> Let's remember that. Somebody here do word goodly. <laughs> Todd wrote, I'm interested in EVs. But what happens when I want to go camping for 10 days, but ownership doesn't exist? Does my trip become prohibitively expensive because of the cost of using a vehicle for that long? Or in this future, will some personal ownership still exist? Those are good questions. I don't see personal ownership disappearing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I certainly don't think that personal ownership is something that would be prohibited. Um, but I think that it really does... Th those are both very good reminders that not everybody's jumping into the future from the same context. 
there are definitely mm-hmm. going to be people who, for whom, like me, I currently don't own a car. I'm finding that there are definitely times where I wish I did, but those times are far and few between. And the solution for me up to this point has been car rental and just weighing other options. If I'm going to visit family as I am, in fact, tomorrow, um, the day we're recording this, I am headed toward the weekend and a family trip for the first time in two years to visit my parents. And so the balancing there was, well, is it better to fly, better to rent a car or better to take the train? We, we chose the train option. Um, both for ease of travel as opposed to airport security and all of that, but also for expense. And that's, it's better for us from a rental car perspective. So other people like our commenters are going to say, you know, I use my car or truck to go camping. I want to be able to go do X, Y, and Z at the spur of the moment or people who live in remote locations who obviously car sharing is not going to be an option. So yeah. How have I'm you seen those things in your, in your research and your experience? Have you seen those, those issues spool out? I, I was going to say for me personally, I'm in that camp of, I like the independence. Like I don't see myself relying on a robo taxi fleet personally. Cause it's like, I like having my own thing that I can use at a moment's notice and not have to worry about it. Um, that's just me. But everything I've seen in my research and as I've been putting all these videos together and all the people I've been talking to, I've never heard once anything imply that car ownership is going to be restricted or go away in the sense that you're not going to be allowed to. It's just, it's just naturally going to, for the masses, probably going to fall away. And we're already seeing that today. Fewer young people here in the United States are getting licenses and learning to drive. And they have no interest in owning a car because there's Uber and there's Lyft. Why would you? And you don't have the burden of having to pay for insurance and gasoline and all the kind of care that goes along with it. So it's like, it's to each his own. It's like, it's just, I think we're naturally going to evolve that direction where it's like today people like, this may not be the best analogy, but music, it's like, um, you can buy a CD, you can buy vinyl and there are still people that buy their vinyl records and they like having the tangible object but 99% of people just subscribe to a subscribe to a music subscription service and listen to the music that way. And music ownership is basically gone. It's not restricted. It's, it's some people still do it, but it's, it's far and few in between that you see people choosing that option. So I think that's, what's going to happen to car ownership. It's not going to go away. It's going to just evolve into something different. Yeah. I think that that's, um, the underwriting message there is that if you hadn't named your channel undecided, you could have named it something like one size certainly does not fit all. Yes. Yes. That seems to be the, like you, you have a, almost a giant gong behind you that has that written on it. And then every episode you kind of turn around and smack that gong and remind everybody, like (laughs) not everybody's in the same context. Don't forget. Yeah. So on to today's episode, which is going to discuss Matt's most recent episode from July 27th, 2021. And this episode was titled Our Future of Living on the Water, Floating Cities? Question <laughs> mark. I got to kill that question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out behind the woodshed. It's getting harder and harder <laughs> for me to say. I keep going yeah. higher and higher pitch with it, and I think I'm hurting my vocal cords. So floating cities. Um, 
to your knowledge, how many Bond villains are currently involved in building these floating cities? <laughs> how many cats are involved? Yes. How many cats, <laughs> cats are being <laughs> casually petted while a bald man is saying, excellent, make it float higher. Yeah. Uh, I liked right off the bat, I want to start off with a comment from Chris Wiley who wrote, this is what happens when architects don't talk to civil engineers. This, <laughs> it it really does trying to think of the best way to frame this. You could have had the exact same episode, I think about cities in space. Yeah. And I would be as certain about the reality behind the endeavor as I am about the water cities. (laughs) There was another comment which came from Madeline Sybil who wrote, all I see is people who, quote, dream of big things using other people's wallets just to inflate their egos. They're looking for new problems while ignoring the ones that already exist until they can solve the problems inland. What they're selling is BS. And effectively, your video talked about a concept that stands right on the line between dreaming big to indirectly push certain things forward and pushing technology forward while suggesting something that on the face of it seems not only fantastic, but really questionable in its goal. Yeah. And you compared it, you've compared other things as well in your, in your channels to the space race and the challenge, you know, Kennedy's challenge of let's get to the moon. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, we get to the moon you know, Jane Smith sitting on her sofa watching that on the news is not herself on the moon, but 10, 15, 20 years down the road, Jane Smith may be living with technology and advances that are the result of the technological push that got us Mm -hmm. to the moon. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to say, well, all the things they're talking about are bullshit. I don't think that that's necessarily true. (laughs) But it is very hard. This is a video that follows in a slightly different way from your previous video about Neom. Yes. These two are very much in the same wheelhouse. There seems to be a strange pairing with the Neom video in they're almost like two things that are in the inverse relationship to each other. Mm -hmm. Neom seems questionable as far as what it is and why it's being done. Yep. But it also seems eminently doable. They're starting to do it. (laughs) Building a straight line, high speed rail. Like that doesn't seem like, well, this isn't going to work. It's like, okay, I could see how they could get it to work. I can see there, there seems to be a future there that is somehow graspable. The floating cities have the inverse problem, which is, well, I could see how this would be useful as opposed Mm -hmm. to building a straight line city with a high speed rail, just for the sake of doing it with an artificial moon that is flown over the city by drones. Yep. This one seems to have the inverse because it is, well, that seems like a great idea, but it seems absolutely technologically outside of anybody's grasp. Yes. 
Yes. So my question to you is if you could cherry pick from these two things and merge something together and say, here's, here's what you would like to see. And you can cherry pick any of the tech that you have talked about in those two videos. What would your cherry picked project be? What would you, what would you cobble together out of all of these endeavors to make? <laughs> That's a hard question to answer. I, I think when we talked about Neom, I talked about like the desalination the solar dome was the thing I was focused on the most from that project. And it still is right because there's going to be so much water that's needed in our future because fresh water is becoming more and more scarce right. as the years go on. And then on the floating city concept, there's the undersea, there's the sea farming uh, concept, which I thought was insanely cool of getting enough food and resources to people where they live and where they need it. You could grow a ton of crops in the ocean, like right. these ropes and you ver it's basically vertical farming underwater and you can grow an immense amounts of food that way. That was fascinating to me. And the cement, which was like, I love the fact they went down the pun rabbit hole with yeah. naming that technology, but that bio rock or cement was yeah. really, it's such a clever concept. You just take a metal rod, electrify it, and it creates this rock hard structure the elements that you can, in the yeah. water itself are attracted to the to the electric current and yeah. then solidify into a column it really is amazing and i do feel yeah. like the the scientists who developed that i could just imagine somebody saying well what are we going to call this and somebody going i know i'll call my dad <laughs> exactly it just right out of yeah. the park we're going to call it cement yeah um yeah, so it, it, I do, I think that when you look very close at mm -hmm. specific elements, there are absolutely things that are like, well, this is remarkable. The potential here is fantastic. I even like the fact that these floating cities could in fact create areas of protecting the marine life that has been impacted so negatively by humans impact on the environment the destruction yep. of barrier reefs and stuff like that that these that these could in fact create safe havens for certain types of life underneath them and they could end up creating those spaces through the anchoring mechanisms and all of that they could create reef areas that could actually flourish with mm -hmm. new life i think from that perspective that's interesting i kept thinking Again, and this is no different than my experience with the Neom video, I just kept going back to Epcot. <laughs> going back yes. to the idea of you're creating a thing which is supposed to be completely self-sustaining and completely isolated. And how will it shift and turn into something else if it does happen? Right. And I think one of the things that you brought up in your video, and I think this is this is probably the most easily seen reality here is that this becoming a safe haven for the super rich. That's it's to me is the saddest part of the idea of this concept is that it will become the rich will end up living on these like wonderful little metropolises on the ocean safe is safe and sound completely on their own. Um, it's kind of like a, some sci-fi series where like the rich live up above the clouds and they're, 
<laughs> living the life of luxury and the rest of us that are living underneath the rain clouds in the dark dank streets are just like scavenging for scraps yeah it's like if anybody wants to see the, what matt's describing the netflix program <laughs> yes. altered carbon that's it's like it's basically it's basically that's, that the super rich don't have the same lived experience um can, can i twist it just a little bit i yeah. didn't just I didn't describe this in my Neom video and I didn't describe it here, but when I look at this stuff, like I've mentioned this a few times in my videos, but like I used to be a UI UX designer. I was a creative director and for other creative directors I've worked for, there's a tactic you do in design where it's like you're setting a, a milestone, a mile marker that you're trying to get to. And so you kind of go pie in the sky, no restrictions. What do we want to do? What's our right. vision? And so you plant a flag five miles out and you know you're not going to ever get to that flag but you have to say where are we trying to get to what is our future vision of this product or this thing that we're trying to build and you kind of establish what that is and then it's like okay now we know the direction we're going now how do we try to get there what are the things we have to do along the way to try to get to that point so when i look at neom that's what i see somebody planting a flag that's five miles out there that they may never reach but they're going to try to go there and they have to do certain things to get there same thing for these floating cities. It's like they're coming up with the concept, like what do we have to do to be able to make this work? And they're going to try to make some of those things happen. Whether or not they actually succeed in that final thing, to me, doesn't matter. I, I honestly don't care if Neom succeeds. I, I don't care if a floating city could actually become a real thing. It's more about having the vision and the goal of what you're trying to achieve and the problems you're trying to overcome and figuring out how you're going to do little bits and pieces along the way. And those bits and pieces have like ripple effect that can have dramatic improvements in life quality, sustainability, renewable energy, all this kind of stuff. So that's for me why I'm fascinated by these topics. And I probably should do a better job explaining why <laughs> I find that fascinating in my videos, right. because people tend to get too hung up on the, oh, that Neom's never going to happen. It's like, yeah, but that's not the point it's not the point that it's going to succeed or fail. It's like, it's, it's more of a, how are they going to try to get there? What are the things that are going to shake out from trying to get there? And that's kind of why I look at this. Uh, there's going to be interesting things that shake out of these floating city ideas that even if they don't succeed, there's going to be some interesting things that happen from them. I get what you're talking about. That's the aspirational aspect is it shouldn't be ignored. And it's very mm -hmm. easy. You know, I started off by making a joke about bond villains. Yes. Um, I don't disagree with you. But the, but the thing is you know, like bond felons have aspirations. That's yes. That's yes. what they're doing. And so I think that my joke even touches on the aspect of what you're talking about, which is yep. if all that comes out of this is cement, yeah. that's still an interesting technology. If this steps forward in ways that, architecturally conceiving of how to redesign a city when you have no physical barriers, because by doing it on the water, you're effectively saying, well, we could do things completely modular. And then it's like building with Legos. It's just click, mm -hmm. click, 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 click. And you build in a hexagon and you build out from that hexagon and you link a bunch of hexagons. Architecturally, it creates a totally different type of design than you would yep. get saying like, okay, here you are, you know, we're trying to deal with environmental impacts in a certain area. Here's what the topography looks like. Here's what the existing buildings look like. Now, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And this is saying, like, well, you've got a clean slate. What could you do if you didn't have, well, 
your city of 100,000 people has certain power needs, but here's what the grid looks like and here's what it has to do now. How do we evolve that? Well, you're starting from a very concretized vision of the city. And that's one of the things that this allows is a completely clean slate, a completely, well, what works best for a city of a hundred thousand people if you have no design restraints whatsoever. Yep. And that kind of outside the box thinking, pushing things forward may not happen. Potentially we even within our lifetimes. Correct. But there could be a moment where you think about new developments, new ways of envisioning a city, things like Las Vegas came into being pretty much by mistake. Yeah. Um, if this kind of thinking had been in place when Las Vegas was growing, would Las Vegas look different mm-hmm. than it currently does? That kind of, that kind of thing. And politics aside, the type of country, the whatever issues with its populace that a country has, some of these projects like Neom are really pushing for changes in the fundamentals of what goes into design from a very interesting place. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that I thought about when I was watching this and your commenters definitely thought about Glenn wrote, have you ever lived on the water? (laughs) I would love to be here for them as a person that has been on the water for only a short time. It would seem to be very expensive as well as uncomfortable at times. Most people that I have talked to like to have something solid below them as most people live on land for comfort and cost. But it's interesting to see if we could convert to that kind of life and then really getting to the point. I mean, really getting to it. Bosaw wrote built to withstand a category five hurricane, but it would be (laughs) one hell of a ride. (laughs) make sure to take some anti-nausea medicine or flee town for about a week. And I actually thought that as you, I I don't know if it was conscious or not, but there was a, there was a moment where you were talking about these have been designed to withstand a category five hurricane. And the image on your video at that point was showing seas that were doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I could only imagine you've got this hexagonal design to your community and you've got things connected to one another and you're all anchored to the bottom of the ocean in some way. And when that hurricane hits and the oh water boy. starts yeah, I was looking gonna... like a bunch of hills rolling toward you, I can only imagine the sci-fi disaster adventure that would come out we of We need that. the rock. Yeah. <laughs> the The... You've been on a cruise ship. We've been on a cruise ship together. We both got sunburned on that cruise ship together. Yes, we did. Um, I, I went on a cruise Lying ship with my on wife that at one point. bed with the heat radiating from my body. <laughs> yes. Uh, when you're on a large, the largest cruise ships, when you're on them, it doesn't feel like they're moving. Like it's really kind of eerie because there's not much movement at all. And it happens so slowly that you're... Right. brain just kind of goes with the ship so you're not really feeling it but when there's weather and like when i went on the cruise with my wife we i woke up at like two o'clock in the morning because i woke up because i felt like i was being shoved 
up my bed towards the headboard. I woke up going like, what's going on? And I woke up and I, I, the the room was shifting in all these different directions. And I got up and I looked out the, the balcony window of our room. (laughs) I looked into the side of a wave. Like all I could see was a wall of water. (laughs) And I was like, I just slowly closed the curtain back up, got back into bed. That's very much a, like it's, that's a Bugs Bunny cartoon joke. That's the next opening the window, like, and then just closing the window. I like that. But it was, it was the, but when I saw it, when I was looking at the window, there was also like lightning. It was a big storm we were going through. And it was just like these moment flashes where I could see okay, this is a huge wave. And then there's a huge wave way behind it over there. And it was like, okay, I'm just going to go back to bed now and pretend I didn't see that. But it was very rough seas and everybody was talking about it the next day. So they're 100% correct. Those comments are like, most of the time, you're probably not going to be, you're going to be fine on this thing. But when the weather gets gets it going, when the weather starts living on the seas, the tiny ship will be pretty rough. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, it's stuff like that, that, um, and then you think about the other disasters could happen from Neom if the person wakes up in the middle of the night and looks out their window and the moon is falling toward <laughs> coming right at them <laughs> falling toward their home stupid drones uh, it's yeah it's hard to it's hard to escape the science fiction of it all yeah. at a certain point it is so fantastic that it is i guess i didn't anticipate that you and I in this podcast would be discussing things that suddenly occurred to me as the 1950s forecasting of the future with you will fly a car to work and you'll live in a city that's floating in the sky and and us looking back at the sci-fi, the retro future that, that the past held. And we laugh at that. And then it occurs to me now like, Oh, we never stopped doing that. It's just every future generation laughs at the previous one's speculations yeah. while ignoring the things that they got right. So yeah. you watch an episode of the Jetsons and you're like, oh, it's so stupid, the the flying cars. and But meanwhile, they had a robotic maid that was vacuuming the home. You own a Roomba. Yes, I do. Yeah, things like that. So it's, it's Video you know, what did they get right? Well, they got the Roomba right. They didn't get the fact that the they gave the Roomba a personality, but... You've got other things in your home that have that personality. You've got a Siri or you've got a Google Home or you've got things that you talk to on your Apple Watch. Yep. So it seems to me like we we laugh at the earlier visions and then we scoff at the current visions, but we need to do a little bit better job of recognizing what the past got right and what the present's mm-hmm. trying to do. Yeah. So I think that's my takeaway. Do you have any closing was, thoughts on that that you would like to? There were just, there was one th- th- line of questions I kept seeing in the comments, not questions, but just declarative sentences about there's plenty of land. Mm. And while that's true, that's oversimplifying it. And my response to each one of these comments has been along the lines of, uh, let's look at mass migration events just over the past five to 10 years. Yeah. And let's look at how well those have gone. So that's what's coming up. So there are going to be countries and island nations and things like that that are going to be flooded out of existence. They will no longer exist. Yeah. And you're going to have hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are being displaced. Yeah. Where are they going to go? There's technically plenty of land. Yeah. 
but they're going to be flooding into other countries and states. And those countries and states are not going to be happy about this. Yeah. So it's one of those floating cities might be the only option for some of these island nations to try to still exist yeah. after their, their islands flood. And it, yeah, so as you, as you say that, it occurs that to me, the opportunity for, you know, the, the global community to really embrace the opportunity to help those people that will otherwise yes. become viewed as a burden. Correct. Because that's inevitably what happens. These are human beings. They mm -hmm. should be given the right to find ways of having a sustainable life for themselves. That is a human right. Correct. Yep. And when people leave in such large numbers that they are viewed as almost an invading army, it's too late. Yeah. Like it's too, when they're at your door, it's too late to say, well, why are you here? And for us to be looking further down the road, there are, as you mentioned, there are island nations that will disappear there. Bangladesh has certain communities that already live in stilt communities mm -hmm. and in flotilla communities where they've, they literally take homes and sections and they've put things into basically raft floats and depending on the season and what the tide is doing there are entire communities that float in several feet of water yep that's going to get worse it's not going to get better and there was also a chain of comments in the the discussion on uh on youtube at least that centered around the idea of rising sea levels are somehow not a problem and I just can't get my head around the arguments of no. a few inches globally is no big deal. Why are, why is anybody complaining? It's not um, a few inches. That seems to me about. to be written by somebody who's not reading the news and seeing that we're dealing with flooding on levels that have never been seen before. And that most major cities that border coasts are looking at ways to build seawalls. Like New York. Like New York, like Boston, like Miami. Uh, or the city of New Orleans, which yep. is already below sea level, it's not going to suddenly start rising. <laughs> the water is going to keep going up. The land yes. is not going to go up. And that's the thing I think that when people make that argument of, of it's just a little bit of water, what's the big deal? That's, that's an argument from privilege. That's mm -hmm. somebody who's, who's living in a place that hasn't had that impact. When the Mississippi floods... And it floods a major part of the center of the country. Those people aren't making it up and mm -hmm. they aren't doing something that they've deserved. They haven't right. created that problem themselves. It's, it's something that all of us need to face. Exactly. So I'm going to reach out to our listeners and ask for you to let us know in the comments, what going back to the, Thing that I pointed out a little while ago, the retro future that we sometimes laugh at and the envisioning of our own future now, what are the things that you see that are aspirational that you embrace? And what are the things that you see in the retro future that seems to have come true? Let us know what you think. You can find the contact information in the podcast description. And you can also leave your comments directly below this video if you're watching us on YouTube. 
And if you're watching us on YouTube, I apologize for how glistening I am. It's a little warm <laughs> in my basement studio, little, little especially when I've got this light toasty. glowing. We also, of course, have ways that you can support the podcast. As I mentioned before, you can listen or you can watch, you can subscribe, you can share us with your friends and your enemies, and you can also visit stilltbd.fm. You'll see the support the podcast link there. You can throw some pennies in our jar. Please be sure to give us a rating or review and share us widely. All those things really do help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew decides to become a Bond villain. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.